0: We are in this series right now together for Washington, so I've brought along with me a few props this morning to kind of lead you in the direction of what I'm going to be speaking on this morning. So, this is America's finest right here, okay? I'd, I'd only heard of this growing up in England, and when I arrived in America, I discovered these weren't just the things of legends, they actually existed Twinkies. Um, seriously, we don't get these in England, so we'd see them in movies and we're like, what is a Twinkie, okay? And uh, I've got to be honest, having spent my entire childhood and young adult life growing up in England, the anticipation was great, and it was somewhat disappointing when I actually tried one for the very first time. <laughs> but what I'd heard, as, as well as you may have heard, that there's, the Twinkies aren't an ordinary snack. Now, despite the fact that on this box, uh, there is a sell-by date, May 10th, okay, I was led to believe that despite the fact there's a sell-by date, these things never expire. <laughs> these things last forever. I actually read about them a little bit online this week. I discovered that there is a, uh, an urban legend that uh, this is the only food that would survive a nuclear war. Maybe you've heard that, that if the, if the nuclear war goes off, this is the only thing you can eat safely afterwards. Uh, another one I read was that they started making these in 1930, and they made a huge batch, and they're still selling from the original batch. They never made any more. Um, The truth is that uh, they do last a little bit longer now than they used to, thanks to preservatives. But what I discovered is that they do expire. Their shelf life is great, but it's not eternal. Uh, Part of the reason is they're all in those little sealed packages, so they'll last a little bit longer. But um, they have a very long shelf life but not eternal. So I'm going to set these down here. And uh, if anyone fancies a snack during the service, just jump up there and grab them. I've got another box for second service. So you are uh, you're totally fine. Help yourself. Uh, we'll find out who the Twinkie fans are in the house. Um, talking of food with a long shelf life, uh, some of you recognize the, uh, the brown bag here with the, uh, the golden arches on the front. I have in here some uh, still fairly warm McDonald's fries yeah mcdonald's fries now you may have heard as well about the shelf life of mcdonald's fries if you haven't just uh check out this video here real quick i got my my two sacks of mcgoodness right here so what we're going to do just going to give you an idea of how this food is breaking down in your body i'm just going to put it in some jars to kind of show you how it breaks down on its own over time over the next you know four, five, six, seven months. Some fantastic fries. We're just gonna dump right in this jar, right there. Lastly, French fries from a regular restaurant. Two weeks, French fries from a regular restaurant. Two weeks, French fries from a McDonald's restaurant. Here's the regular french fries. Those things are black and crazy. Want to see what the McDonald's french fries look like? Check this out. (whistles) That's right, some kind of fluka nature. That's right, this can't explain. But this is what you're eating every time you get these fries. Look at that. What is wrong with that? There's not even one little Sporzor on there, there's not nothing breaking down, nothing. Looks like we bought them yesterday. All right, so I will, um, set these here on this side of the stage, and if anyone would like to, uh, even after that video, come up here and snack on some french fries, you are, uh, you're very welcome to. Uh, apparently fries, like Twinkies, have a very long shelf life. Now, we had some, uh, bread on our counter just the other day. It was actually in the dining room. I'm not sure how it ended up on the table in the dining room, but, um, I walked by it, and I said to Casey, what bread's this? She goes, oh, I've set that there the other day. I meant to put it in the pantry, uh. And I grabbed it, and as I picked it up, it was just like covered in mold. And I'm like, ah, how long ago did you buy this? She goes, not long ago. And I looked, and it was organic bread. Yeah, because Mrs. Jane, she likes to buy the organic stuff, the healthy stuff, the stuff without the preservatives, So, which I'm okay with. I mean, she's healthy, and it's a great thing, and I'm, I'm fine with it, although I say that. I did go to the store once. She sent me to the store to get some eggs, and uh, she said, make sure you get the organic eggs, and I got there, and I looked, and I looked at the price of the organic eggs and the price of the regular eggs, so I went home, and I got the organic egg box, and I bought regular eggs, and I put them in the organic egg box. <laughs> I didn't really, but I was tempted to. (laughs) And I only didn't because I know that somehow, even though an egg is an egg, she'd know. She'd be like, I can tell that this egg didn't come from a chicken that roamed freely at a spa and was pampered every day as it was laying those eggs. Because that's what we're paying for in those uh, those organic eggs. But when it comes to food, okay, um, we should probably be happy when it starts to go green pretty quickly. It's probably a healthier food for us than maybe the Twinkies or the McDonald's French fries. I think it's probably true to say this morning that um, we're not looking for a long, shelf life when it comes to what we put inside of our bodies. However, that principle, although it works really well with food, it doesn't work with everything in life, does it? There are some things in life that you want to have a long shelf life, that you want to say that this thing really lasts. So, before we moved back to Washington about seven or eight years ago, my wife and I, we actually worked with a church for a few years up in the northwest suburbs of Chicago, uh, called Lake Zurich, was the suburb, and we had a great time working up there, and while we were working up there, Casey actually decided she was going to get a part-time job in the area, and there was a shop there, a store that she just loved, called Pottery Barn, okay, some of you have heard of this store, uh, and she got a job at Pottery Barn, it's a furniture and a home decor store. So... Um, she loved it because part of the perk of working there was she got a 40% discount off everything in the store, which meant that anything we bought was now only twice as expensive as I thought it should be instead of three times as expensive as I thought it should be. I don't think she ever brought home a paycheck, but she brought home a lot of stuff that she um, purchased at this store. and uh, She would say to me, but Dave, the reason it's more expensive is because you're paying for quality this stuff will last a long time i'm like that's that better last eternity cuz that's a lot of money we just spent on that couch or that dining room table but you know she she really believed in the quality the shelf life of this furniture so recently, we decided to buy a couple of new dresses for my sons to go in their bedroom. And um, we had this idea, you know, maybe these would be some dresses that we could buy, they could use for a few years. And then if they go off to college, this would be a dresser they could take with them, you know, take to, to college. So we were looking at different dresses. And, and I managed to persuade her that maybe we should look at Ikea instead of Pottery Barn. And we did. And we saved a lot of money because we went to Ikea. But you know what? As I started putting these dresses together which actually took about 10 hours of my life that I will never get back, okay? As I'm putting these things together, I'm like, I'm not sure these are going to last through high school, let alone college. My son's a junior. I mean, we're talking a year here. But this thing, you could just tell putting it together is made of a different kind of material than this stuff that we were buying at this other store. And, And I realized, you know, when it comes to things like furniture, you do want a long shelf life. You do want to invest in something that you know is going to last a long time. Food, you're not so much, okay? There are some things that you really don't want to last forever, but there are some things that you do want to last a long time. And do you know, Jesus actually spoke about this very subject. He did, because back in New Testament times, there was a lot of issues with, with furniture and French fries, and he's like, I need to address this subject, so... He actually talked about the idea of things that last a long, long time. He talked about it in a uh, uh, a very famous passage, Matthew, one of the four writers of the Gospels, who talks about the life of Jesus. He uh, he spends three chapters, Matthew five, six, and seven, just um, writing down this amazing message that Jesus gave. and And you may have heard of it. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount. It's this time when very early on in his ministry, these crowds had gathered. They'd heard about this guy called Jesus, and they'd heard that he was teaching amazing things, and they wanted to hear what he had to say. And he stood there for for hours. We don't know exactly how long, but we know there was a lot of stuff he packed into it. And he stood that day on the side of a mountain speaking to thousands of people about a whole slew of different things, including anger and murder and lust and adultery and forgiveness and worry and, and so much more. But he talked a little bit about what we've been talking about this morning. He talked a little bit about this in the context of possessions and money. Listen to what he said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Talking to these crowds of people 2,000 years ago, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them or where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven. Where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. You see, in this particular portion of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is addressing an issue that just as much of a context for us today, it was 2,000 years ago, just this idea of money and possessions. In fact, earlier in, in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 2, he, he starts out, he's talking about giving to, to people in need. He says, when you give to someone in need, and then he goes on to give some instructions about how you should do this, but what I think is, is fascinating about this, just this simple little verse that starts out this passage, when you give to people in need. Do you, know, do you, do you, you know, it's what he said there? He didn't start out by saying, if you give, you know, if you're one of those people that gives, if you choose to give. No, he says, When? When you give, Jesus makes the assumption that people already know that it's a good thing to give. It's a good thing to be generous. It's a good thing to, to live a lifestyle of generosity and, and help and impact others. And he says, when you give, and then he starts to, to kind of explain what that looks like. And then in this very famous passage, just a few verses later, he talks about the difference it makes when you choose where to store up your treasures. Now, you may be familiar with this verse. Maybe you've heard this before. But I want to clear something up here, okay? Because sometimes it can be misunderstood what Jesus is teaching here. He's not saying it's wrong to have money. He's not even saying it's wrong to have a lot of money. That's not what Jesus is saying in this passage. He's simply saying we have a choice, every single one of us, what we're going to do with that money, where we're going to invest that money. He's not even saying you should give all that money away. You should get rid of it. You should do it. You should be generous and use it all for, for good things. But he talks about where we invest, what will happen to the things that we invest into. We can buy a lot of stuff, and there's nothing wrong with that. We can save, there's nothing wrong with that. We can put money in the stock market, and there's nothing wrong with that. But he is saying that every single one of those, we need to remember has a shelf life, that at some point that is going to come to an end, at some point that's going to expire, maybe not as short as the fries or the Twinkies, maybe a bit longer than the furniture, but there is an expiration date, at some point that will crumble away, but he's saying there is another option. Jesus addressing the crowd says, there is another option. You can give from your heart. You can use something with the gifts that God has given you to bless others, to help others, to invest in places where actually you're investing in eternity. You're investing in people's lives. You're investing in, in changing lives forever. And when you do that, it's almost like you're depositing money into a bank account where thieves can never steal. And moth and rust can never destroy. And this shelf life of this investment is eternal. And that's the challenge Jesus is bringing to the people of his time. Because in that crowd, there would have been the poorest of the poor and there would have been the richest of the rich. And you know that as he was talking about this, there were some that held on very tightly to their possessions. If you remember Zacchaeus, he was a, a tax collector. In that area, he would have been renowned for being probably corrupt and, and using that um, position of power to, to manipulate people out of their money. And, and he was building his own kingdom and building his own wealth. And he had an encounter one day with Jesus. We don't know exactly what Jesus said to him, but we know how his life changed. Because when he came out, the very first thing he chose to do was to give back, to give to others. He knew this was the thing that was, this, this, that was building inside of him. And this encounter with Jesus, he just knew I have to do something different. I have to change my life. This isn't just for me. I don't want to just build into a, uh, something with a short shelf life. I want to build into something that is eternal. You know, if you're visiting here this morning, we're in this series together for Washington. And it's built upon this whole idea that here at Connect, we're in an exciting time. God is on the move. God is on the move. We've seen him at work here in Connect over the last few years. We've seen some incredible stories of people who weren't attending church, who are now attending church, didn't have a relationship with Jesus, who now have a relationship with Jesus. And we're so excited to see what God is doing in this community. I've said this so many times, but when we started Connect three, four years ago, it wasn't with a desire to give all the church people another option in town. It wasn't with the intention of saying to people who already attend a church in Washington, hey, come to this church. He said, we knew there were people who weren't going to church anywhere, and we wanted to reach those people. And we have, and and God is on the move, and he's brought us this far, but he didn't stop here. He wants us to continue to move with him. And part of the adventure he's taking us on is is leading us to the point where we've now found um, a building that we're going to purchase for ourselves. This is going to be Connect's new home. You may be familiar with this building. It sits right in the middle of town. It used to be Tractor Supply Company. Before that, it used to be uh, Walmart. And we've purchased the 25,000 square feet that Tractor Supply used to be in as our future home of Connect Church. So we announced a couple of weeks ago at the beginning of the series what that looks like in a practical sense. We announced the the purchase and renovation cost of this building is $1.4 million dollars. Now, this is the moment where if you're visiting this morning with Connect, you can sit back and relax. This is a conversation that we're having through this series as a family. Those of us who call Connects Church our church home, we're learning about where God has taking us. We're learning about the exciting adventure he's got us upon. And we're learning about what it's going to take for us as a church family to be able to get there. We believe that God is doing something that... Thanks to having a, a permanent location here in the community, we will be able to continue to impact both those who call Washington their home, surrounding areas, the country, and the world. Our goal, we shared a couple of weeks ago, is that together, here at Connect, we're going to step into a very exciting part of the journey where we are endeavoring, we're embarking, and there we go, <laughs> found the Twinkies. I had to commend you, sir, i walking right by the fries to get the <laughs> Twinkies, so... I'm not sure either are wonderful, but uh, you, you chose the lesser of two evils. Well done. So we are headed into this, this journey where together we believe that God has presented this opportunity to raise $700,000 of that $1.4 over the next three years, over and above our giving. We're going we're gonna to ask people... To step out in faith. You you may have seen the packets we gave out. If you didn't get a packet yet, grab one of these on the way out. There's some on the connect point out there. But next Sunday, we're going to have these commitment cards available for everyone. And we're going to ask if people would pray and say, I want to be a part of this journey. I want to commit over the next three years to help raise that goal. We're excited because we've actually got a number of what we believe it's going to take to make that happen. That number is 115. 115 people, we believe there are 115 individuals, couples, families, that if they will say, yes, I'm in, I want to be a part of this, I want to be a part of this great story, I want to be a part of this um, journey, that years to come, when we're in this building, I can look back and think, "I, I helped, I was a part of that. And the great thing about filling out the commitment card next Sunday and being a part of the 115 is everyone is important. There will be some who will give um, large sums over three years. And there will be some who may not be able to give as much. But every single person that makes up that 115 are important. So this will be an opportunity next Sunday for all of us. Anyone who calls Connect their church home. Anyone who believes in the vision and mission of this church. To invest in something with a very long shelf life. I'm not talking about the building, although I do hope the building has a better shelf life than the Ikea furniture I just bought. So um, I'm talking about the eternal impact that will take place out of that building. Because it's not a building that will change lives. It is the people that call that building their church home. It's you. It's all of us. We can tell story after story about conversations we've had with neighbors and friends and, and what God's been doing in their lives. And this building is going to help increase that opportunity to be able to do that. We have the opportunity to invest in a place where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal. So in this series, we've been talking a little bit, and it's been very different, and if you're new to Connect, I hope you'll, you'll stick with us here, because our next series will be a lot more like our, our normal series. Normally in a series, we would kind of talk about a, um, a subject that hopefully would help move the ball along the field in the spiritual sense. It'll help you learn more about Jesus, learn more about what it looks like to follow Jesus. If you don't currently have a relationship with him, I hope that you'll hear us talk in our series about what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus this morning, normally our series, they kind of help you grow in that relationship and continue on. But this very unique series together for Washington, although we've talked about some spiritual things like what Jesus said here about, you know, where we put our treasures, where we store our treasures, is it in places where uh, moth and rust will destroy, or are we storing them in eternal places? There's also been a lot of practical talk in this series because I want to unpack everything to you. I, I, it would be wrong of me to say, hey, would you give if you weren't fully understanding what it was you were even giving to? So we're trying as hard as we can to get very practical in these messages and to really kind of explain all the, um, the systems and everything that's gone into making this happen. And if you've not been here over the last couple of weeks, I'd recommend if there was ever a series to jump on and listen to uh, all three weeks. This is the third week so far. This would be a great series to kind of uh, watch any ones you haven't, miss, haven't seen yet. You can get online and watch on our Connect Church app or at, um, uh, the Connect Washington website has a link that'll take you to our uh, online audio or viewing. But just in the practical thing, there was three things that as we kind of come towards the end of this series, I want to make sure that you fully understood about this whole journey that we're on, this next step that God's got us on. The first thing is the price. The price. So I remember a couple of weeks ago, we announced for the very first time. A lot of you have heard about the building. A lot of you have heard the story of how we acquired the building. A lot of you have heard the story of what happened with Afterings. And so many of you knew this, the building part of the story, but it wasn't until a couple of weeks ago that we put that number up for the very first time 1.4 million. And I remember it. I remember it very well. I remember saying the number. I remember the slide going up on the screen. I remember the oxygen leaving the room as everyone at once went, oh, kind of that gasp of like, wow. That's a lot of money. What are they doing in this building? Is it going to be like gold-plated faucets? What's going on here? Well, no, obviously not. I mean, there will be in my private bathroom. But, um... <laughs> and when you turn them on, tea will come out of one, and milk will come out of the other. It's just a, just a little thing I've asked for. No... <laughs> The truth is, we've talked to some really um, sharp people, some people who are in the construction business, people who do this for a living, and when they've sat down and they've looked at the 25,000 square feet that we're going to occupy, and they've looked at the things like the electrical and the plumbing and the mechanical and the walls that have to go up and the auditorium that has to be equipped with lights and sounds, you know, pretty quickly that number goes up. So pretty quickly, we got to, with the purchase and renovation price, that 1.4 million. And it is, it's a... <gasps> Deep breath, deep intake of breath kind of number, but here's something else we've discovered from these people that we've talked about who do this for a living, and how I get excited, and I say, thank you, God, for what you're doing. We don't deserve this. You're so amazing. They've started to explain to me what it would look like if we were to do this from the ground up, if we were to go out to the community and find some land and... Buy that land and prepare that land and put cement down for the parking lot and then build the building. And they said, if you were to do the exact same building from scratch, you'd be looking at maybe three, $4 million. So to have what you've got and to be able to put it all together and purchase it for one, this is miraculous. And we are so just, just thanking God for this wonderful opportunity. So I wanted to kind of share that thought this morning, because I know we've talked a little bit about the price, and I know for some it's been like, wow, that's quite a lot of money. And, and there are people here at Connect who understand this far more than I do. And you'd be welcome to talk to anyone, and they can kind of explain how the, the numbers break down. But that's, that's kind of what we're looking at for the actual purchase price and then the renovation uh, stage. So another really cool thing that's happened through this journey, okay, as well as price, is provision. Provisions. So from day one, whether it's for this campaign that we're a part of or, or any other area, I'm like, God, we, we need you to provide. God, we can't do this ourselves. This is a, a, a huge um, step of faith for us as a church that's a little less than five years old. So God, we need you to help. And along the way, we've seen God provide. We've seen God provide. Now, I I want to go on record. I don't believe that God started the fire. (laughs) But something very interesting happened just a few months ago. Afterings, if you're familiar with the dealership, they're right here in town. They had a fire, and uh, it damaged their building enough that they're going to have to knock it down completely and, and rebuild from the ground up. So it wasn't, I mean, I think it was like within 24, 48 hours of the, I think the smoke was still coming out of the building when I got the call from Gary Aftering. And he said, I know you guys have bought this building. I know your plan is to move in and, and have church there sometime in 2018. He said, would you consider pushing your plans back by a year so that we could temporarily house our dealership here while we rebuild? Now, I have to be honest. It, <laughs> I was looking forward <laughs> to moving into our own space. Number one, because it was just going to be great to have a permanent location. Number two... Because I'm part of the crew that sets up and tears down every week. (laughs) And I'm ready to start rolling some cases and stacking some chairs and putting all of this back in the box at the end of this morning. But from very early on, in the DNA of Connect, we just decided we were going to be a church that existed not just for the people inside the walls of this building, but actually as well as the people inside this building, primarily for the people outside of this building. Because there are many of our friends and neighbors right now who aren't in church this morning, who don't know Jesus yet. And I want them to discover the same Jesus that I've discovered. I want them to have the same relationship with Jesus that I've got, that you've got, that you've experienced. And I can't just hope and pray that one day they just show up. I've got a... um, Get creative and find ways to get into our community, to build these relationships, to get to know these people so that that first step into this building is a little bit easier. So from day one, we've just really been intentional about being involved in our community. So when they asked, hey, would you be willing to help out our 80 employees who live here in town and work here locally? Would you be willing to help um, all the people who do business with us on a regular basis? I met the guy from uh, the manager of Afterings just soon after they'd moved in. He said that he had a lady come to him um, with her car to be serviced. It was 1,000 miles, 2,000 miles past the oil change date, but she wanted to wait until they were up and running because she was a loyal Afterings customer. When she arrived, she bought two boxes of donuts for the service guys because she wanted to just say, hey, congratulations, I'm glad you guys are back in business. So it was just wonderful that we as a church were able to help our community in that way. But the truth is, through it, we've seen God's blessing and God's provision. So in the year they're there, they're paying rent to be there. And their rent's more than what our mortgage payment is, so they're helping with the cost of the mortgage. They've made some renovations that we would have had to do anyway. So, so, when I look at these two numbers, I see $700,000 that we're hoping to raise from within this Together for Washington campaign. Then I see the other $700,000 that we're going to have to um, somehow finance, borrow from the bank. And what they're doing is they're lowering what we're going to have to borrow. So, that $700,000 is going down a little bit because God has provided. I believe we're going to tell other amazing stories of how God has provided. So I'm excited that both these numbers, there's, there's the, the commitment from us to raise the money, and then there's this other side where there are just these opportunities like this for God to show himself and say, I, I'm in this. I want to help you in this. So the price has is, is kind of been a little bit scary, but when you look at it in the context of what it could be, it is miraculous what God's given us. I'm seeing his hand of provision in so many other ways. And then the final thing, and a lot of people have asked me about this, is the plan, we want to know what this building going to look like. We want to know, you know, we want some pictures. We want to see how it's going to be developed. We want to see what you're going to do with this building. So this morning, I'm going to let you look at some of the pictures. Okay? So here's how we're going to do it. You're going to close your eyes and imagine. All right? <laughs> do you see it? Because I see it right now. It looks awesome. <laughs> so here's the thing. Because of the, so, so offerings will be in there for at least the rest of this year. So we're not going to start construction until probably the beginning or or spring of next year. Our goal is to be in uh, no later than fall of 2019. So right now we're having conversations with architects and designers and builders, and we don't want to rush anything. You know, it's actually even miraculous what what happened with afterings, because I think if we'd have been too, you know, getting in there too quickly, who knows, we could have showed up the first Sunday, and you'd have brought your babies and said, where do I take my baby? And we'd be like, "Ah." somewhere for the babies didn't even think about that <laughs> so now we can really think this through and we can decide the best layout and the best but if you do close your eyes I want to help you imagine what this building's going to look like imagine a building that is more than just a church imagine a building that's more than just a space that's used for a few hours on a Sunday morning imagine a building that's located in the heart of our community Imagine a building that's a resource to local groups to be able to come in and have small gatherings in a room that on Sunday was used for Connect Kids. To have a larger meeting or a presentation of some sort in an auditorium that on Sunday was used for Connect Church. Business meetings in a room that was used for our church staff on another day. Imagine a space with a large foyer that serves as a gathering place on a Sunday and a place to hang and meet with friends or small groups during the week. Now, I know some of you right now, as you're imagining your picture in skate parks and chocolate fountains in the foyer, I can't promise all of that will be there, but I can promise you this. Because this building will fit with our vision of connecting our community to Christ, we want to build it with that idea in mind, that this will be another way that Connect can connect our community to Christ. So outside of a Sunday, I want to see stuff happening here where people... We're able to use this building, come in. We can serve our community, but maybe it's the first step for them to find their way back on a Sunday morning. There's a lady I got to speak to recently, and she told me her story that um, she'd been a part of a church, and some stuff had happened to that church, and it just really hurt her a lot. So much so that she actually had pretty much given up on church, even given up on God. A friend invited her to come to connect and multiple times invited and multiple times she said no. And then finally, he wore her down and she came. And she said, Dave, I sat there. My arms were folded. I wasn't singing. I wasn't happy. (laughs) I did not want to be here. She said, but each Sunday I would come back and bit by bit I would find myself kind of uncross my arms. I'd start to engage just a little bit. Then you announced you were doing this program called Alpha outside of a Sunday morning. And we can do this because of the Connect Center. We have space now during the week where we can have classes like Alpha and financial peace and small groups and other activities. And she said, I thought I'll go to that class. She said she went to the very first week. And the video played and she said, I just knew that God was speaking to me. I just knew that God was was pursuing me. Through the Alpha class, she started to see her relationship with God rekindled and grow connected to others here at the church I love that God does that it wasn't the building that did that but having a building to do these various different things that's the plan that's the plan so here's how I want to close out this morning just with one last story I've been praying a lot throughout this campaign i I have this brochure, just about every space in my house, in my car. I see it everywhere I go. So I'm, I'm constantly praying, God, God, please help us. Because for me, as the lead pastor, this is a huge step of faith for me. I've never taken big bigger step of faith like this. So I'm praying a lot. And, you know, this week, God really kind of challenged me a little bit. It was Thursday morning. I was praying. I was praying, God, please, we've got to raise this money. God, you've got to make it happen. I was, I was kind of telling God, letting Him know in case He'd forgotten, you know, what needs to happen. I think He's really happy that I meet with Him on a regular basis just to remind Him His duties that day. And, and in that moment, I just felt like this conviction of, Who are you to tell me? And I realized that's kind of what I was doing. I was going to God with this shopping list of uh, expectations. And Thursday morning, I changed my prayer. I said, God, I don't want to tell you how to do this or what to do. I so said, I just started to pray, God, would you speak to people's hearts? Would you say, I, God, I believe you can do this. I believe you can do this. So, God, over the next week or so, as we talk about this So Connect, as people who have heard this message are going to come back to that community, would you speak to their hearts? Just in their own times of praying with you, driving around, whatever it may be, just speak to them, Lord, just lay it on their hearts, what you would have them do. And I'll trust you, God, that if you'll do that, we'll see miracles happen. I was Thursday morning. Later that morning, I'm at The Blend. I'm working on my message. I'm working through my notes here. And uh, I see a friend of mine. He's the pastor of another church here in town. And he's visiting with one of the leaders in his church, and he knew that we were in this series. So he kind of pulled me aside. He said, Hey, how are things going? I was like, Oh, it's going really good, but I'm really nervous and I'm praying a lot. You know, we we just kinda talked a little bit about it. And he he spoke some very encouraging words to me and this other leader at his church kind of shared some stories of some campaigns they've done at their church. And it's just really it was just a really healthy conversation. So they left, and as they went to leave, this leader stopped by my table again, and he just was like, hey, just, you know, no, I'll be praying for you. I was like, oh, that means a lot to me. Thank you so much. He goes, you know, hang in there. You, you guys are doing great. We love what we hear about what Connect Church is doing, and, and he walked out of the coffee shop. So I got back to Ryan, and just, it was like less than two minutes later, I glance up, and I see he's coming back in, and it looks like he's walking towards my table. I'm like, that's odd. So he comes up to me, and he's like, hey, he says, I, we just believe in what Connect's doing. He goes, it's for the kingdom. He so for the kingdom. And he hands me this check. And I open the check and it's for $2,000. He says, I want, I want to invest in your campaign because it's for the kingdom, is what he said. But here's what he said right before he left. He says, Do you ever have one of those moments? He goes, After we talked, I went out to my car and he, he said, I just knew God was speaking to me. He said, I just sit in my car and I knew God was saying, You got to go back. You got to go back. You got to give him a check. You got to give him. He says, I knew it was God. And he told me that and he left. And I'm like, that's going in the sermon. Because <laughs> I just prayed that. I was like, God, you, you can do this. You can speak to people's hearts. So that's my prayer. God, you, you, it just is so amazing when you pray something. And then just a few hours later, God's like, see, trust me. Trust me in this. You aren't walking on this journey alone. This isn't something you're going to look back at and say, look at what we did. You're, you're not going to say that. You're going to have story after story that you're going to just have to point and say, look at what God did. Look at what God did. Isn't he amazing? Let's pray. God, there are many things in our life. You've you've blessed us all so much. Forgive us, Lord, for the times we've looked upwards at the person in our life who has more than us and we've wished we had more. Instead of looking at other parts of the world where people are living with so little and realizing how blessed each and every one of us really is. And the truth is, God, every second, every minute, every hour of every day, we get to choose what to do with what you've blessed us with. And Jesus, you never said on that sermon, on that mount, it is wrong to have money. You didn't even say it's wrong to have a lot of money. But you did remind us that we have a choice what we do with that. And we can make good decisions. We can invest in things with a long shelf life for the right reasons. But Jesus, you reminded us that there is something that has an eternal shelf life. Help us, Lord, to remember that. And God, I pray now for me and Casey, for everyone in this room, that over the next week, Lord, you would continue to speak to us. And for those who want to be a part of this, for those who want to be a part of the story, for those who want to be a part of this campaign and make the commitment next Sunday, speak to us, Lord. Show us what you would have us do. And we just continue to pray, Lord, that next Sunday will be a day in the history of this church that will never be forgotten because we'll look back for years to come and say, look at what God did. And we'll just sing, sing your praises. Thank you, Lord, so much. In Jesus' name, amen.